Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt with Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA, conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat official. I'm Carter McKenzie, running host this week, uh, joined by a familiar face and a new face. Um, We're talking dogs this week from a couple different points of the country. Um, We got Bobby McCready coming at us again from the Jersey Shore. What's going on, Bobby? What's up, man? Glad to be back again and talking about, of course, my favorite thing that I can't shut up about, my four-legged buddies. Yeah, man, I'm not going to make the mistake uh, this time. I'm going to introduce your dogs ASAP. Um, I know, <laughs> I know, y'all dog people take your take your animals quite seriously. So, you know, just bear with me before you call me out. <laughs> we'll give you a little time. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And we got another team member of HLE coming at us from uh, my home state down here in Georgia. We got Lyle Avis joining us this week. What's going on, Lyle? Hey, guys, good to be here. Talk about dogs, just like he said. We'd talk all day about dogs. Yeah, I love this, man. I'm stoked about it. And, uh, you know, to kind of get both y'all's perspective from a couple different dog owners and working dog and hunting dog, sporting dogs, however you want to classify them. Um, Y'all have dogs in different realms of the outdoor world. Um, And so I'm interested to talk kind of the differences and the nuances and maybe the similarities between all those um, Lyle down here in the South and Bobby up in basically Canada, but you know, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, man. <laughs> it's too cold up there for us. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I've had the privilege to hunt with uh, a number of dogs, a lot fantastic and a lot mediocre. And, you know, y'all are really the true kind of, you know, Tyler cor- corrected me last time I said this, I said, houndsman, I don't know what else to call it. What do you, what do you guys call yourselves? What do you, what do you call yourself? Lyle? No, I would just I would just say I would, a tracker. That's a typical term. Houndsman leans more towards the specific type of dog you're running, you know? Yeah. And Bobby, you just like dogs? I just like to call myself Bobby. And then, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's fair. I hear you. I hear you. Well, before we jump into the dogs, let's, uh, you know, we're recording this on day two of Hero Week of the HLE you know, hero workout of the day challenge. Uh, we just finished up DT. We had Murph yesterday. Um, I kind of want to know where, where are y'all at? I know both of you are, are participating and my lats hurt and my forearms hurt. And Lyle, I know you're, you're pushing through a little bit, man, lats and traps, my lats and traps are dying right now. You know, our listeners can't see this, but all of us are all hunched over in our chairs right now. You could tell we're all hurting right now. I got like T-Rex arms going. I'm afraid to let them dangle. My traps start cramping up. My head turns to one side. I'm I actually guy. I actually Googled how many muscles are in a calf this morning. because so I was like, man, my calves are burning. <laughs> was the run on Murph pretty rough for you? You know what it was? This It was the second one yeah. after this day two of the Murph really got me in this yeah. 98 heat. I was hurting. Yeah. Yeah. I did the run. I did the run weighted, which was dumb. And the first half of the second run, that was a smoker. 
But you weren't supposed to do the run weighted? No, I mean, you are, but like... Uh, still not this guy man i carried all the weight that i needed already (laughs) there's no reason to add to it and then uh bobby do you want to go ahead and explain why you uh didn't participate in dt today yeah so uh i'll try to keep this as pg as possible so i have a gym membership planet pussy and we can't do things like that at that gym so I decided to hurt myself and do the Murph again today. And I was telling Garter, I'm like, that was a dumb fucking idea. <laughs> and it sure was a dumb fucking idea today. So I wish I was able to participate in that. There's no barbells at Planet Fitness? Um, no, are you kidding me? You're not allowed to do this stuff like that. It's a judgment-free zone. You get pizza, bagels, <laughs> and that's it. Smith machines. So Same I was contemplating that. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. I can't believe that. Oh, it's 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 bad. But you know what? Hey, it's a gym. It's ten dollars, and yep. I can run to there and be back before anything else. So, I I can't complain too much, I guess. For sure, which is a good point. I mean, that's the whole point of the you know Hero Week challenge is you know trying to encourage everybody to participate and do it the best you can without hurting yourself. And it's a great way to you know remember and be a part of an extension of Memorial Day. And you know the point is not to go in there and necessarily smoke yourself but you know to remember the sacrifices of those that were remembering each day so planet fitness there you go there's your plug yeah there's your plug i don't think we'll have too many listeners going to planet fitness (laughs) yeah we're not selling it that's for sure you'll get a lot of shit you'll get a lot of shit listen in jersey if you go to any of the other gyms around here it's all hair gel and fist bumping so (laughs) everybody just wants to stay away from that shit I love it, man. All right, let's jump into dogs, man. Let's see where this takes us. You two are the are the dog experts that I know. Um, so, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and introduce your dogs and the type of dogs that you have? Yeah, definitely. And I'm flattered that I'm called an expert in anything right now. So that's pretty awesome. And so. It just sounds good on the podcast. I don't know if it's true or not, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely well, I'm like, really, I just drive. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely changing my facebook name to bobby that's a, the that's a good yeah. point y'all's dogs make you look good that's a good yeah, point. yeah absolutely if, if zeta had thumbs man she wouldn't even need me <laughs> <laughs> on all the forums that's, that is true man so we it's pretty cool that we have two completely different uh dog handlers of different aspects on right now as me doing all upland hunting no tracking whatsoever and having three pointers, I mean, I pretty much just do anything that my pointers do. And that's just, they point and I shoot basically. Uh, so it's really interesting to get other perspectives of different things, because as I was kind of talking to somebody the other day, I was like, you know, you don't realize like some of my commands don't mix with other people's dogs commands when they're doing certain things. And I'm, I'm like, wow, I, you know, I never actually realized that because it's similar, but completely different at the same time. So I know you're a tracker, right? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what we're doing. And what did you say? You got GSPs is what you said? Yeah, so I actually have a German wire hair pointer, an English okay. pointer, and a German short hair. So I got three oh, pointers. Oh, you got all kinds of pointers. Yeah, I couldn't so make I'm, up my I'm, mind. I'm running pretty much uh, Catahoulas for the most part. I've got uh, – how many do I got? So I've got five – nope. I've got four Catahoulas and a bulldog mix and then a wire hair dachshund that i track with so i'm kind of all over the map tracking wise as far as like what what i'm working with but 
my main main tracker though is Zeta. She's six. She's the one that kind of got me into it. She's the one that most people know. Um, but now that she's getting older, I've got some other dogs starting to come up and fill her shoes as she starts to age. Not necessarily age out, I guess, but just slow down a little bit. She's not nearly as fast as she used to be. Yeah. So we yeah. were talking before the podcast, Lyle. I've known who you are for a number of years. As long as I've been hunting in North Georgia, I've I've known and seen your name. Actually, <clears throat> I've known who your dog is for years. I've known yeah, Zeta. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Zeta's name and picture all over you know, the Southeast hunting forums, which is, which that's pretty freaking cool. Like before I even knew what HLE was, um, I've known who you and your dog are, dog are. Um, and before we kind of jump into your, like, I want to talk about what type of dog Zeta is and kind of her primary purpose, but how do you, how do you know Luke? Because that's kind of our common connection here and that's, what's bringing us all together. So what is, what is y'all's background? Cause that's how he kind of linked yeah, us so up. Luke, Luke. Well, he, when he was stationed at Fort Benning, when I was stationed at Fort Benning, he, he was well, one house down from me across, like a, there was an empty lot between my house and his house. And then he was uh, the commander for one of my buddies was his first hunter over there. So I knew him as my neighbor, but then really started talking to him once we had that other connection. And then, you know, just kind of spiraled from there. And did some pig trapping with him when we first met each other and that's when he first started all his, his HLE stuff and putting hats together in his attic and stuff, you know? Yeah. So you've been around since the inception. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty I, cool. I, got, I don't know if you saw him talking about it the other day, but that hat that I got my HLE hat. Yeah. It was like, it was like, that's like an original vintage HLE <laughs> right there. <laughs> that was back when Luke was sewing them on himself. They're like no, that, a little, that a little bit crooked. Even, that one wasn't even sewn on, man. It was just fabric glued on. It was like a prototype. I'm rocking that thing till it falls apart. Uh, he was that. beers deep in that one. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Glue yeah. all coming out the side. Yeah. Sitting in his attic thinking, yeah, this is fun. This isn't yeah, going to go anywhere. And Nucky had upstairs. Yeah. Here we are a couple years later. That's pretty cool, man. I know he was really involved and pretty passionate about the pig hunting that he did down on bedding. And I didn't realize y'all did that together. So that's really cool. Oh, dude, I'm cramping. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you jump in, Lyle? Why don't you tell us a little about kind of your or Zeta's breed as a whole and, you know, kind of explain their role and, um, you know, what role they serve in the, in the outdoor world. Right. So, you know, like I said, she's a Catahoula. So technically she is a Louisiana Catahoula leopard dog. Um, and, and it's primarily would be, I guess, originally considered like a, uh, like a herding breed. Um, but then they really kind of got taken over and moved into more a hog hunting as like a bay dog. Right. So, um, and essentially that's exactly, that's what I'm still using her for is the same thing you would use her for hog hunting. You drop her on a track and she goes, hits the woods, finds that fresh hog scent and goes after and bays them up, you know? But for when I do it, I take her out and I tell her specifically which, you know, deer scent or which deer track, blood drop, whatever that I want her to trail. And then, you know, she's doing the same thing uh, based off of that. And then that, because then I got that little wire haired dachshund and he's the same thing, but he's raised with Catahoulas his whole life. So he thinks he weighs 60 pounds and has no idea that he's not a Catahoula, but he's just a little slower and has to get picked up and ran with if he falls behind, you know? So is that a nod to the breed for your wire-haired dachshund or is it a nod to like, Hey, this, this dude's got guts and he can, he can kind of figure it out. Cause he's been raised with Zeta 
No, man, they're traditionally pretty feisty little guys. They're pretty small. I mean, like they wanted them to be able to jump in those little tunnels and run in and chase badgers around and stuff. So yeah. he's he's pretty feisty. I mean, he weighs like if I had to guess, I'd say he weighs less than 15 pounds or right around 15 pounds. Yeah. And he's out there mixing it up with, you know, my 60 pound Catahoula. So he's he's a pretty brave little guy. I love that. Yeah, my extent of like dachshunds and and terriers too like you know i'm a military history major so like i know they were used in world war one extensively in the trenches to like you know chase out rats and that kind of stuff out of the out of the trenches and that kind of thing but putting them on a deer scent and a and some hog scent that's a that's a different ball game yeah he's he's pretty crazy he'll get right in there and bay with my catahoules and everything i mean he'll try to catch you know so that deer's still alive and jumping around he's going to get in there and try to catch it it's He's, he's a crazy little dude, but then, you know, he weighs 15 pounds and is about eight inches off the ground. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. And Bobby, you had three different kinds of pointers. I don't. That's right. Yeah. Do you want to kind of break down their, their jobs and, and, and roles? Do they differ between pointers or at the end of the day, are they all pointers? No, they're all pointers. Um, basically the, our English pointer who I say is my my best hunter is ginger and which is crazy because she's the one with the craziest backstory of any dog I've ever had. And she the, is the Korean meat market, right? Yep. So she's the one that came from the Korean meat market that we ended up getting from a rescue group. And, uh, as a pup, you know, we put her on bird. She was the fastest learner. She was the fastest to get on bird. She was the, the one to find it the quickest, the, the most agile one that I have. And she, unfortunately is just the one that is completely gun shy. And we've tried everything in the world to break her of it. It's just not in her. It's just not for her. Ginger is not the field dog to get broken into a gun. And I think it's got to go back to something that happened in Korea with her. I don't know. But um, to me, they they all have their same job. They all point. Ginger, unfortunately, gets left home a little bit because she stays with mom to paint her nails and do the girly things. But she, I know she wants to be out there in the field getting those birds just as much as anybody else. So, some days I do bring her out, though. And uh, I don't bring a gun. I just let her get some birds and she, she has a fucking blast. I'll tell you that dog just has the drive to get those birds and it makes her happy to do that. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you were talking about how your dogs are working together. And I think that was actually my hardest thing was to get my dogs to work together. Um, and the upland side of it, the, I have my, my Sarge is, is my champion guy. That's he's my, my main guy. And Sage is my younger girl teaching her to honor Sarge's point. When Sarge is on point, it's he that's his point. That's his bird. I need Sage to know that it's okay. Hey, now it's, if that's his bird, you don't mess him up. You don't go near him when he's doing that. And I think to on the upland side of it, it was completely different. It was very hard to train her to do that because they both just want to jump in there. But the problem is, is when one dog sees inches up a hair and then the other dog inches up a hair and they just keep inching up and then they just break their point. So that's really interesting that your dogs, how well they work together. I've probably wanted to uh, pull my hair out a little bit when we were doing that training side of it. That's for sure. Yeah. See for us, like if most of mine, they all track a little bit different speeds, but I, I can put them on the track and, you know, let them go whatever. But really for us, the work together part comes when they're alive and they, one dog sees it and starts barking and like, it's crazy because you'll be standing there and I might have a dog sitting right next to me or whatever. That's whatever came back to check in. But as soon as a dog starts barking, man, they honor that bay 
and they perk up, ears go up, and poof, lightning bolts right to it. And it could be, man, it could be a thousand yards away. If they can hear it, sometimes they can hear it, and I can't, and they just take off running right to it. That's wild. They seem, seem work pretty good. A buddy of mine in college, a roommate of mine in college, he was a big coon hunter up here in North Georgia. And he had a couple dogs and he could differentiate the different barks and the different sounds that they made. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Lyle? Like when you're those dogs, you know, if they come in and check in, which I want to talk about, how the hell does that, how do you even make them do that? But like, you know, when they hear that bay, is that bay bark like noticeably different? I'm sure it is to you, but. Yeah. um, Most people can kind of tell the difference. Um, like what part of my little brief when we start is like, Hey, you know, when I get her on this track, she's not going to make a noise. She's going to be completely silent unless she sees the deer. If she sees the deer, that's when she's barking. Um, and you, I, I'm like I said, she's six. So we've been doing it six years now, like 300 plus deer that she's found. So like I got it figured out now I can tell when I, when I think she's chasing it versus when I think she has it bait up or when it's laid down or, Every once in a while, she'll get frustrated when we've been out tracking for a while and she can't find the deer and she'll bark different. And I'm like, I bet she's trying to kill a rabbit for us because like she's like, well, I couldn't find your deer, dad. So let me see if I can get this rabbit or whatever, you know. Um, So I can usually kind of tell what the bark means. But I mean, it took a lot of practice to get there. Lots and lots of hours in the field. That's for sure. Yeah. Same for you, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, uh my dogs don't bark too much, but you can tell by their tail wags. Actually, uh, when my dog's tail goes completely fast, I know he's on a bird. If it's going a little slower, but fast, I know he's trying to play around with a field mouse or something like that. Like when Sarge's tail is going quick, that means he's on a bird too. And he knows that it's coming up. Yeah. That was my next question. Does your dogs ever point on, you know, not a pheasant? Nah, they're usually just on regular, you know, uh, I, th- I think one time it was on a, I don't know what it was. It might've been uh, like a rabbit or something, but the rabbits don't tend to stay still as where, you know, pheasants and quail, they try to hide and cover when they know dangerous sense. So they're mo- not moving at all really. And then again, a lot of times that they're runners, then the dog breaks their point right away. But uh, nah, usually for the most part, they stay on their point and they don't break their point until they get their release word. Yeah. See, I, I'll have a, uh... Every once in a while, I'll have one of my dogs trash on a on a live deer, or a pig will break out right in front of them underneath their nose. Uh, for the most part, mine will go like, my, well, my main dog Zeta will probably she might only take that pig fifty yards, and then you can like hear it in her bark that she's like, oh, whoops, you know, like slinks on back and gets back to the track, and you know she just got excited because something jumped right in front of her. But that's a problem that I deal with with my young dogs is trying to teach them despite that they know they're supposed to stay on this wounded deer track is if they kick something live right up in front of them, then they, I mean, they get excited. The prey drive kicks in. Um, usually they won't take it too far, but if they're real young or real green, then I'll have to freaking turn them around and get them started, calm back down, wait a minute, you know, and then get going again. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I don't know how like pointers know this, but they don't know the difference between a live pheasant and a dead pheasant. Cause my dogs will see a dead bird and they will not point at it. And I've never came across a reason behind it. If it's a smell or something like that, even when I am um, hunting with buddies and they got their birds in their pouches, I'm wondering like, you know, never, never kicked off the idea of why aren't they pointing at the birds in the vest or anything like that? It's just 
remarkable thing to me. No, that's a good point. Now that you say that, I never thought about it either. But because uh, originally I'm from Iowa, man, all my family and friends back home that we pretty much all hunt pheasants with Brittany spaniels at home. So like we've been around bird dogs a lot. And you're you're right, man. I can't I can't think of a single time where they pointed at a dead bird before. Yeah, you see them in the field, and I've never, yeah. never once have I seen any of my dogs do that, and it's always something remarkable to me. And I'm like, how the fuck yeah. do they know? <laughs> like, yeah, I never wow. even thought about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, anybody who's spent a day around a hunting dog that knows what they're doing is quick to realize, hey, these things are a lot smarter than most humans I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely are. Yeah. Yeah. What uh? So how does the process work for? I want to hear from like both you, like when you show up. <clears throat> Lyle, somebody calls you or Bobby, you're going hunting somewhere and you show up and you park the truck. How does that process kind of unfold? I'm sure at this point, Lyle, you have a, uh, you have a, a script that you run through when somebody calls you and, you know, are you looking for first blood? Are you looking for, you know, uh, whatever yeah. gut well, shot? Are you looking for tracks? What are you looking for? Well, I mean, I'll start my interview process like before when, as soon as they call me, you know, because I need to know whether I rush out there right now or based on the kind of shot. OK, well, if it's got guts on the arrow or guts on the ground. All right. Well, let's wait eight hours and then we'll go out there, you know, just so we're not chasing the deer. Or how close to the property line and stuff we have. So, like, my main things are when you call me, I want to know how far away the deer was when you shot. Um, kind of the angle the deer, the deer was quartering to quartering away broadside. Um, the deer's reaction after the shot and if you had any blood or anything on the ground. Like those are my telephone interview conversations, you know, that I talk about. And then, you know, from that, it, it might go a little deeper and, okay, well, what does the blood look like? Oh, you said you got bone, you know, what is the bone flat or is it rounded? You know, is it a, possibly a rib or is it leg? And all, a lot of that is like just phone conversation that, like I said, tells me how long I need to wait or if I could just jump in the truck and head there right now. Um, and then when we get to the actual hit site, I'll ask them all of those same questions again, because people get excited, man, and they freaking think they know what happened. And then that's not actually the case. So like, by the time I get there and start, I've probably asked them the same thing and got the story three or four different times to try to like narrow it down and kind of weed out what's actually what actually happened and what they hope happened, you know, which is, is usually a little bit different. Um, but then when I get there, I, I want them. I want to go to right to where that deer was standing when they, where they shot, whether there was blood or no blood. Um, but that's, you know, one of, that's one of the big things I talk about in the interview too is do you know exactly where that deer was standing? Cause if you can't tell me a point hundred percent that I know the deer was right here, then when I get out there, it's real hard to tell my dog which deer to track, especially if it's a real marginal hit and that deer's not putting out a lot of distress scent. But if you can say, yeah, this is his drop of blood, well, then I know he had to have been standing right here, you know, kind of thing. And then from there, man, I just I, I send him out, tell him to go track, and I'll stay there again and probably get the story one more time from the guy before we actually hit the woods because I, like like, I like to let my dog get about 100 yards out. Um, and I run her on a GPS collar, so off lead. Well, I let her get about a hundred yards out. That way she's not taking any cues or directions off of me. She goes where she thinks the deer went, not where I think. Um, and then we step off in the woods and hopefully we're not going too much further than that. But that's my starting process. Typically. It's almost like you're a police officer running questions at like a car accident, right? 
the first time yeah. you get there just yeah. asking witnesses like the same questions over and over and over and, and it I'm, changed man. i'm sure you get different yeah i'm sure you get different answers yeah the car was green no it was blue the, the yeah. deer the deer is here i know it was over here I, I completely relate to any of those any of the cops or anybody who ever says like witnesses are terrible because yeah. I can, I mean, I can't tell you how many times they'd be like, "Okay, I shot the deer, and it ran between those two trees over there," and really, the dog would take off at a ninety-degree angle from that spot and go completely in a different direction. And there's the deer at fifty yards. They they could have found it, but they completely delusional on, you know, on where it went. Yeah, all the time, man. Yeah, that that adrenaline spike and the desire to like get that deer back often convolutes and and clouds are our judgment and our short-term memory, right? Terrible witnesses. Yeah. They're the <laughs> worst, man. The worst, especially in South Georgia, right? Terrible. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I called a, I called a dog this year for the buck. I shot at my property in uh, November and I had just gotten back from a mule deer hunt in Wyoming where I wounded a deer and hit it with a non-lethal shot, did not recover it. Um, and that, like that tore me up and that was just eating me up inside. And I came back here and then that was in my mind every day that I was hunting here in North Georgia. And so as soon as I shot this buck here at the house, it was just before the shooting light ended. And instantly I was like, I wounded this deer gone like never gonna see it again like i need to call somebody with a dog right now and that's that was my first that was my first move so do you get a lot of calls from people who are like in a not panicked but like <laughs> somewhat of a frenzied state yeah yeah that's that's again that helps out a lot too by making them wait by saying hey we can come out there but it's going to be you know three hours or two hours from now people usually calm down or I'll tell them like, and I always tell them like, Hey, if you want me to come out there, I want you to quit looking for that deer. Cause you're not doing yourself any favors out there stomping around. You know what I mean? I'm like, if I'm getting ready, I'm getting to my truck to come out there. You need to go to your truck, hit the gas station, man, get something to drink. Right. You know, relax. Cause if they get out there, start stomping around. It doesn't make anything better. I tell them all the time, like that deer isn't going to get any deader. You know, <laughs> like it's not, if it's dead, it's not going to get deader. So just, let it sit and I'll be out there as soon as I can. Yeah. That's really good perspective. Um, after about an hour of that dog searching, I was willing to give every dollar in my savings account to that guy. If he could make his dog find that deer, that's just how bad I, how bad I wanted to recover it. Cause you know, I had to get neighbor's permission and there were property lines and then there's a high school right over there. And if it was on the high schools, I was like, it's dead on the 50 yard line of the football field right <laughs> down the road. Like, I'm going to have to sneak in there. Like, oh, it was just a disaster. I just talked myself into the worst case scenarios. Yeah. I got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of full grown man hugs out in the woods. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. This guy got a full grown man hug and I was holding on to his dog for dear life. I was like, can I adopt your dog? I'll take it. Yeah. What about you, Bobby? What's your kind of scenario? Like, you know, you're not running tracking, but you pull up to an area you want to hunt and, What's kind of your your kind of thought process or your procedure with your dogs? You're gonna laugh at this, okay? So I'll 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 take you through what I like to do and then what really happens here. So <laughs> so I always pull off like I I try to hunt a ton of different areas. I don't want my dog getting accustomed to the same exact field, same 
same routine over and over again. So we like to mix it up a lot. And uh, normally when I get out of the truck, he gets out, he's very excited. So he has to run around, take 15 different shits because he's so excited. So he's got to shit 15 times first. And yeah, every dog owner knows that they got to do that first. That's first I tell thing. my guys, when I pull up to track, I tell them all the time, they're like, what's going to happen? I tell them all the time. Well, first thing she's going to do is take a shit. Right in the middle of your favorite hunting area. That's and a thing. We'll, That's we'll a thing, started. man. Yeah, it's 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 like fifteen times, man. And just when you think they're done, they're gonna walk over five more steps and try to shit right there too. That's a thing for dogs, especially hunting dogs. They get very excited. They shit themselves. Yeah. Anyway, so after he's done getting his shits, I assess my field. I take a look at the wind. I see which way I want to hunt because I want to hunt with the wind coming into me. I want to get some good cover from the scents. Then I look at Sarge and Sarge says, fuck you. We're going this way and we're going to do this plan. And this is the way we're going. And that's the way we end up going, believe it or not. I can't tell you how many times I've had a great plan. And when I was younger and Sarge was a pup, I pulled him off and tried to get him to go my way or the highway every single time in that field. And we've left there empty handed one bird, two birds. That's it. Then I let Sarge do his own thing and run with other people. We're leaving there with 10 birds, 12 birds. We're eliminated out. We're, we're, we're having a blast. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Just listen to the goddamn bird, the dog, and stop freaking coming up with all these plans all the time. The dog knows what he wants to do now. So that's our plan, believe it or not, is whatever Sarge wants to do is what the fuck we're going to do. Yeah, you say, oh, you said listen to the dog, man. That's like a big thing within the little tracker community is like the dog knows way better than I do. You know, so if yeah. A lot of times, a lot of people have their big downfalls when they're starting training is they want to try to guide the dog the way they think the deer went or the, the hunter said the deer went this way. So they tried to like force the dog to go that way. And you're like, you can't do it, man. Cause you don't know the dog knows. So yeah, we yeah. say that all the time, like just trust the dog, roll with it. Yep. People don't and like to swallow that when they're telling me the deer ran one way. And they're like, man, your dog doesn't know. I'm like, well, let's just wait a minute and see what she does. Maybe she's going to circle around. Bam, there it is. 50 yards the opposite direction of where they said it went. I can't tell you how many times I've hunted in the snow and I can see the claw marks of the feet. And I'm like, oh, there's a bird right in that bush. There's definitely a bird in there. And I'm, I'm trying to get him to go on there. I'm like, there's definitely a bird right there. And meanwhile, he's 15 yards away and he's on point. And I'm like, fuck, there's not a bird here. I kick the bush. Nothing's in there. And I'm like, God damn it. The dog's right again. I'm like, yeah. it's just always right. I bet that's tough for people to swallow um, when they're wrong in, in your case, Lyle, because people are, you know, fallible in their, in their memory and can't trust necessarily what they can't see. Right. Yeah. You I mean, you gotta have, you are really doing the, the track and gig, man. You gotta have a lot of like interpersonal skills. Like I gotta be able to sell it to them without saying, Hey, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just, you gotta be able to play it up to them. Like, Oh, you know, I can clearly see that that deer ran 50 yards to the right, not to the left, and died. But, you know, it would be like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. She must have wind-sent him. I bet he went out that trail and did a big loop and came back. No, nah, man, he went right there and died. But, you know, you got to play the ego a little bit yep. just so that, you know, you're not leaving. Because I already found this guy's deer, so he's already pumped. So, uh, you know, I don't need to put him down. Just got no- <laughs> whatever crazy thing he wants to have. And that happens yeah. all the time, man. I or, believe it. Like, I – if we don't find the deer, one of the things I don't know if a lot of people like to do it, but like I like to give them kind of a wrap up at the end of the track. Even if we don't find a deer, like, Hey, this is what I think happened. This is where I think you shot this deer. And here are, you know, X, Y, Z, why I think that the blood was here, 
you know, it was based on where it was dripping in the trail or the way the dog was acting. So I, I try to walk out of the woods with a good answer. I tell them all the time, like, hey, if we don't find a deer, we're going to at least have an answer before we walk out of here, you know, what kind of what we think happened. You got to play, you got to play a little bit to the, to the human side. Otherwise, I know a lot of other trackers who would just come out there point blank, you know, they, they don't, not a lot of customer service, you know, if you will. And it's probably why we have a pretty solid reputation. You know, I, I don't leave people really thinking that we didn't do our job when we're out there. I can, I can think of one guy in, out of the, like I said, I bet 600 tracks we've been on. I, I can think of one guy that probably thinks that we didn't know what we were doing. And that was a him problem, not a us, you know? Yeah, fuck that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He sucked. He was terrible. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. wait to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, dude. The customer service is so important, right? Because you don't want to make anybody feel stupid. And you don't want to make anybody feel like... Like, the desire to have that deer in the hands of whoever shot it is so high. Like, emotions are already so high. Adrenaline's so high, right? That's why we all hunt, right? Hunting is... You know, that's, that's part of the draw. And then not the, the you know the chance that it slips away and you don't recover it is like everything comes crashing down what you've been working for and so you trying to manage and navigate that kind of quagmire of emotions is is really important yeah i mean by the time i get there people are usually pretty down pretty down and out already you know so i, I go there and i try to make light and we joke and have a good time and you know watch the dogs work and like I said, I can think of one guy out of all of these tracks that we walked out of the woods that probably wasn't satisfied with my answer. And I mean, he was a jerk anyway. So there probably was never a deer with that guy. That's probably why <laughs> <laughs> we found one, I, man, we found one little speck of blood and he acted like that deer was bleeding out. I was like, dude, it's like a thumbprint size freaking spot of blood. I'm like I could have bled that and I would be just fine. <laughs> Like, he shot know. he shot a squirrel yeah should have shot better shot better yeah. buddy and then yeah, bobby sure. bobby you have a totally different world you're not working with a quote-unquote client you are it's it's you and your dog so success or, or, or failure you're reaping or benefiting yeah. all all of the positive or negative emotions right Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm very selective who I allow to hunt with me with my dogs because let's face it, I like my dogs better than anybody that's going to come hunting with me. So if you fuck up and shoot my dog, I can guarantee you, you are not going home. So uh, <laughs> that's the end story on that one. Yeah. Uh, always. That's a good perspective. I was hunting one time, the, the first time I quail hunted down in South Georgia, I was hunting and we were hunting with a guy who had dogs and uh, I was hunting with a guy who I didn't know and he shot at a low bird. And he was like, the, the guide was like, low bird, low bird, low bird. And the guy shot at it. And he was like, you, and he went fucking ballistic. I was in high school and he went ballistic. I'd never seen a grown man go off on another grown man like that before in my life. And I was like, whoa, he like really loves these dogs. And he was like, you fucking shot between my dog's ears. Like, I will fucking kill you and leave you out here. I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I shot the rest of the day. I was like, ah, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not pulling <laughs> that trigger now. Fuck that. Yeah, low bird, low bird. Yeah. Low bird. <laughs> I can see sky low bird. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I have done. So I've done probably the biggest heart attack in my life is when I did the R3 program down in South Jersey. I ran my dog for the introduction to women to outdoors hunt. 
And this is first time women hunters in a field with my dog and the first time using a gun. And I, I, I probably almost shit as much time as Sarge did because I was fucking nervous. I'll be honest with you. But I, I mean, once, uh, once we started getting the program going and everything, I was, I felt completely fine. They understood the safety. They were friendly with Sarge. And to be honest with you, I think Sarge was just showboating because he's like, oh, there's women here. I'm going to, I'm going to be like the, the best dog ever and ended up having his best hunt he's ever had in his life. I was like, this freaking guy is just showboating now. But yeah, see, that's another difference. Like the only one shooting around my dogs 90% of the time is me. Like when yeah. we go out on these tracks, I usually tell, so uh, up until this year, I used to tell everybody like, Hey, I don't mind if you bring a gun. Cause like if you want to try to, if you want to finish your own deer, if it's still alive, but we're not going to put any ammo in, it'd be completely unloaded. You don't even put a bullet in or raise a gun to your shoulder until I give you, you know, the clear. Cause my dogs would be running circles, you know, baying up that deer and I'll have yeah. to call them out. And then once I get my hands on a collar, then I'll tell them they can shoot. Right. Um, but man, this year I had that stuff go south. And normally I will be the one shooting because I'll watch dogs and like I'd rather watch your deer run up over the hill and never to be seen again than to even get close to shooting one of my dogs. But I, I shot at a deer this year and the guy who was with me pulled his gun out. And since I shot, thought he could start shooting and was just blasting away. And I had three dogs out there at the same time. Uh, dude, I, I felt... I felt bad afterwards, but I roasted that dude on the spot, just like you're talking about that uh, that dude. And like it, it was it was bad. I just saw red and freaking roasted this guy. And it was like a young dude in front of his dad and everybody. But I I bet he ain't shooting ever again around a dog because <laughs> I thought that dude was gonna cry. Yeah, I wanted to ask that because when Ryan Watson came out and helped me track mine, he said as soon as he pulled up, he had a script and he said, <clears throat> "All right." We're going to go to where you think first blood was, where the hit site was. I'm going to turn my dog loose. My dog's going to do its thing. I want you to stay right here. Like, don't muck up anything down there. And I'm the only one carrying a firearm. I was like, oh, roger that. No problem. I'm not going to, you know, he's like, I've got my pistol. I'll dispatch it if if we come to that. Uh, no problem. And I was like, sweet. I love a procedure. <laughs> Big rule follower guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know. <laughs> Clearly that had been an issue in the past that had to be addressed. So I was, I was curious how you kind of, how you went, what your procedure was. Wow. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably stick to the, the rule that I'm the only one that shoots. Um, and I usually have a conversation with it because if it is like, if it is a trophy size deer, right. That's going to go on some record book, then there are different rules, you know, like um, they have to be shot with the same weapon by the same person if it gets, has to get shot again. And a lot of times the archery stuff, like we might have to go in and like the dog, some uh, clubs, like the dog can't be present if you shoot it again. So we'll go in we might find the deer. It's still alive and we'll have to pull out while they go back in with their bow or their gun. But for the most part, man, from here on out, I'm the only one carrying a gun. Cause that was crazy. I thought I was going to have to murder that dude. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure we've all experienced times in the woods hunting experiences where you know firearms can raise that there's there's a question mark when somebody else is holding that that firearm and you know really the only time you know what's going to happen is when that's that's in your hand so that that makes a lot of sense but uh as far as like commands go you said like if you come up on a on a deer that's bayed 
lyle is, is that the right term bait yeah yeah that's like if it's if it's alive and standing there she'll bay it like bark at it and run circles and basically she convinces the deer that deer has a better chance of fighting her than running right so it stands there and and is kind of trying to fight her and then it distracts the deer we can sneak up and get a little closer so as far as commands go for like both of y'all when it's like the game time moment when a dog is bait or when you know when sarge is on point bobby what are what are the commands y'all are using to get your dog to like snap out of that instinctual moment to like come come back to you i guess to get a hand uh, a hand on the collar like you said lau go ahead bobby you got way more commands than i do i only have like yeah three. we got a million commands but yeah. uh basically Run through your when, commands so uh our, my biggest command is whoa i i preach whoa i mean i was just talking to actually one of our members just got a pointer and i was talking to him about introducing the whoa command early uh whoa is our point or not move don't do a fucking thing and they can't break that whoa command i mean i, I still practice sarge is now seven years old i still practice whoa with him with cookies and everything that i can think of because it, it's just one of my favorite commands uh once we break the whoa if I can physically see that bird and I know that bird's about 10 yards in front of him still, I stay slow and he starts to creep up very slowly and inch his way to that bird until he gets another woe command back on his point. And then I get a really loud yup. And then once I get that yup, then that's basically, that's his release term of him ready to go. I mean, you could say, okay, you can say Sarge, get it. And he won't break that actual command at all. So will he flush after he's on point too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he, yeah. he'll, once I release him, he flushes right after that bird and he goes right in after there, kicks him up. Um, he does his best to try to retrieve after I shoot him, but he's got a very harsh mouth and he wants that bird more than anybody. So uh, he just doesn't want to give it up basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would say practicing. The key is practicing. I mean, every single day, especially now, like what it's what May, June, tomorrow. We're recording this during May 31st. Now's the off season for mm-hmm. both of you, right? For both of y'all's dogs. What's what's the importance of like off season training with regards to commands? So important for us. I mean, this is like, especially right now, I'm training more now than ever because we just ended up, uh, Sarge actually was first time off leash now in seven months for from his surgery was uh, two days ago. So we're, we've been training in the yard. We've been doing all kinds of little things just to get him back into his rhythm because it's been, he's been away from a while now. And uh, I mean, he doesn't forget, but uh, you know, just to brush up on those things. And I, I always just practice the woe slow and the release words. Those are my big three. When I always keep in my pocket. Um, sometimes he understands, you know, the whistles to go left and go right. I don't practice the whistles at the house because it's annoying as hell. And uh, to be honest with you, I really don't care if he goes left or right. I, my dog knows, he knows how to work a field. He knows 15 yards. He knows not to go too far. So he comes back which is a great thing to get him used to is uh, if you have a puppy, get a lead. It's this way they understand, you know, 15, 20 yards, or whatever that is, this way they know, Hey, I'm only allowed to go 20 yards because my dad can't shoot that far and then come back and then 20 yards and come back and keep checking in on me. But those are those commands that I've been working on for a lot. And like I said, every day, uh, what kind of commands do you guys so, really interested? I mean, our, my stuff is pretty simple, man. Like when we get to the track and we start, I'll give them the, the command track, you know, I'll point at what I want them to actually go track and I'll give them the command track. And then really, I, if everything is going right, I won't see that dog again until we're at a deer, you know, like I, I don't need them to come back and check in. 
you know, I'm running on a GPS collar. So I just watch my, I can watch my GPS handheld and see exactly where they are, what they're doing. So I don't need them to come back and check in. Um, if they're struggling or if it seems like I need to restart them somewhere back, I'll kind of circle back to our last spot of blood and I'll tell her, I'll tell her good blood, good blood. And I'll point right to the blood until her track again. And she'll just get her nose, you know, nose way down in there to try to repick up that scent. Um, and then at, at the end, if I need her to come out, like call her out of it, I'll tell her to leave it. You know, our leave it command is pretty important. Uh, Cause there's all kinds of crazy stuff that we'll get into all kinds of crazy shit. They'll get into her. She kicks an armadillo, whatever. I can tell her to leave it, you know? So that's pretty high on our list. Um, but really that's it. But as far as our number one command isn't even voice. The number one command for most tracking people. And I would tell everyone is that beep recall on my GPS collar. I push the button, her collar makes a, a double beep noise and she better turn around and come running back to me. Right. And, all my dogs are good enough now that she might be a mile away. I, you know, start to lose signal or something like so far away. My GPS caller, I hit that beep. Here she comes coming right back. Um, that beep recall is our biggest command. And that's really most of the off season. Like that's what I'm working on beep recall, or I'll get my whistle out. And when I whistle, she comes back to me. Um, I don't do that. Do you use like any kind of like bells or anything? Like I know you said you use the GPS collar. I I just like my GPS collar, man. I I would be lost without that thing. We did. What do you use? uh, Alpha two, what the 200 I or whatever it is. The new one. That thing's beautiful. It's fancy. I just got it halfway. (laughs) I just got it halfway through last year. So I'm still figuring it out, but I'll, is that a a Garmin or something? Yeah. It's a Garmin. Can we get an HLE discount on that? Like that's that uh, some Garmin stuff there. Dude, I think it's a that Rolls Royce. That'd be <laughs> nice. I've only got three collars right now, you know. So uh, two fifty a piece. I'm only taking three dogs out at a time. Yeah, yeah. Garmin, got- Garmin, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, hit us up with that 40 percent discount. <laughs> hey, we're here. Cards, another collar. Uh, I could use another watch. <laughs> So can you can you watch them on a, a screen, Lyle? Because the the my, uh, my buddy who I grew up coon hunting with, he could watch them like on a on a screen, and it would like track like beep 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 yeah, across. I can't those. remember what I can't remember what it's called, but there is a thing where you can like put it on like an iPad. Um, I can't remember what it's called though. Did yeah. he carry it with him, or did he put it? Yeah, in he, that, like, in the he, car- he carried it with him. It was like like a little handheld like yeah it was like a little handheld thing about the yeah that's what I like have. the, the what... size of like an old like a Palm Pilot or like an iTouch or something yeah like yeah fucking dating myself like but... about the size of a cell phone maybe a little thicker yeah yeah you know, about twice as thick as a cell phone about the size yeah. but that's yeah that's what I'm that's what I'm using I got and you. I'll watch them on that and then how I do it is I'll send them out tracking and I'll watch that GPS I'll zoom way in on it so I can see exactly where the dog went. And I'll follow my icon right behind her trail. And that's how we look for blood. And then if I see blood on that trail, I'll, you know, I'll mark it as a waypoint or whatever. And then, if, you know, we start struggling or, she, you know, doesn't look good. We'll circle back around. And I know right where last blood was. Um, and we can go restart again. But I can, I can shock with that collar or I can tone, you know. Yep. But then that, that beep recall or that tone recall is key for us. I got to be huge. able to call it back. So you got to stay up on that all year. She's pretty good about it, but I like to beat up the young dogs with it a lot. Well, she sounds pretty remarkable. I don't worry much about my my main dog. Well, the only thing I worry about with her now is 
you know that she's six. I got about three more years tracking with her the way we do now before she starts to really slow down. I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for that. Isn't that amazing though? Like once a dog gets to a certain age, you're like, ah, they don't fucking need that now. Put it on the younger dog. Or, ah, they, they, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't need to do that now. <laughs> they yeah. got that. <laughs> I'm like, she won't even do a mock track now, like a training track. Like if I take her out to start a train track, she gives me like the side eye. Like you really want me to track this? <laughs> I'm like, just, damn it. Just doesn't do it for her anymore. I'm like just take the puppies and go look. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Speaking of, uh, you know, Zeta getting older and moving on into, you know, the future. It's not like you're going to stop tracking as soon as she's older after the next three years. But uh, the pups that you just had, are those hers? Though she would be the grandma for those pups. Okay. Oh, so you've, so you've used her as, I don't, I don't even know what the term is, but. Yeah, we've had two, we've had two litters uh, off data now in this, the, uh, the mom or the, the this litter that we just had was her first was Zeta's first litter, so she's two years old now. And then we bred her with another tracking dog. Like that's how I try to keep them. You know, I want other tracking dogs. When I breed it, it's something that that's in my ballpark with what I want to do. You know, right? But she's two. She's she got pretty good this last year. She's basically she's Zeta's replacement. You know, she should be four years younger than Zeta. So she's, she's yours. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I have, uh, six dogs at the house. So soon, soon to be seven actually, but yeah, I got six right now. And there are three of those six are off of Zeta, are Zeta's puppies from those two litters. Did you get rid of all the pups yet? Or do you actually have 13 dogs? At no, your house? I have, I have seven, seven, two week old puppies in the house right now. There you go. Just open their eyes this weekend. And they're like scooting around, you know? Yeah. I was watching them on your Instagram, man. That's, that's pretty freaking cute. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be fun next week. Right. Like, yeah. So like week one through three, they're kind of boring. They're like little hamsters, you know, you can just pick them up and hold them, whatever. But then week three through about five, they're fun. And then they turn into little terrorists for like six <laughs> through eight. And like by the time they're eight weeks old, you can't wait. You're like, all right, little fella, time to get on to your new house. <laughs> Because you know, by then they're just tearing into everything, and then they're biting everything, and you just spend hours with them trying to train and get them started. And I'm like, okay, we're over this now. Your cute stage is over, and now you're a terrorist. That's funny. So you're trying to sell them all? Yep, I've got. I mean, I've got. Like I said, there's seven of them. I've got a list of about twelve people who are you know interested that that want them. And I kind of I don't like to set up or make hard deposit decisions until about five or six weeks. Um, I mean, the reason I do that is because if you're a guy who wants to track a lot, and I know you're going to track a lot with this dog, I need to know its personality before I give it to you. Because I don't, cause there might be one that's a little lazier. They're all going to track. I mean, I can almost guarantee they're all going to track just because this is the breed of dog they are and the bloodlines they come from. But there's clearly going to be some that are a little more energetic or whatever. So I try to match them with the houses. So, I mean, people might not necessarily like how I do that because you're not really, you're kind of getting to pick, but you're not going to come in and say, here's my deposit. I want that one, you know, at least not yet, not until I get it figured out a little bit more. So I, nobody's really complained yet, but you can see in their eyes sometimes that they're like, well, I really wanted that one, you know, but I'm like, well, that's not an option for you because that one's super lazy or freaking way too high strung 
for you to be, you know, tracking 10 deer a year versus 50. So I'm kind of picky too. <laughs> That's fair. They're your dogs, right? What about you, Bobby? Did you, uh, did you have any, when you were picking out your dogs, how did, how did that process kind of come through? So I had to go through somebody like Lyle that told me I couldn't get a dog that I wanted. So uh... <laughs> that, means that means they were a good breed. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was like deja vu listening to that. I'm like, fuck man. That was like the other one that was named Remington or something. I wanted that one first, but I actually, uh, for Sarge, I ended up getting the first pick out of the litter. And the guy I was talking to it was an old timer out in Ohio and a uh, friend of a friend ref- recommended him and said, Hey, you know, this is, this is who I got. So uh, he grilled me, man, question after question. Have you ever had a pointer? And this was, this was actually my first pointer for my own house, but I've had pointers before. So I was explaining everything to him. And he's like, well, it sounds like you're going to be doing a lot of hunting with this dog. He's like, this is the dog I'm going to recommend with you. And uh, I was like, you sure? Because the other dog, you know, it, you know, I, I really like the looks of the other dog, the spots on that dog. He goes, he goes, you want to hunt or do you want a beauty pageant dog? And I'll yeah. never forget that. I'm like, all right, asshole, chill. <laughs> yeah. But I, I am so glad he picked the dog for me, to be honest with you, because I, I don't know what I would do. Sarge is a maniac with bird hunting. And this guy was right. The drive on him, he knew right from the get-go. Like, hey, man, this dog is going to be the best person, perfect fit for you. Yeah, and I can, you know, by the time they're five, six weeks old, like I can kind of figure out person. All right, we're back. I ran out of uh, recording space on my computer and now we're back. But we were just talking about uh, telling the the difference of, of drive, you know, between breed and maybe is there a difference, I guess, would y'all say between, uh, you know, male, female, or I know one of y'all runs a male primarily and Lyle, you run a female. Um, would you say there's a difference at all or in your experience? So I know for me, what, what I've always been told, and this is more, um, everybody, all the old timey Catahoula people will tell you, or usually talk to you about, but a lot of them like, um, a female is going to mature faster, but that male may end up being better, but it's going to take longer to get there. Um, and sounds like real me, life. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it sounds pretty accurate. And, and it really, for me, tracking with male and female. Once again, my recording screwed up Lyle. Um, do you remember? Quick, where- everybody just yell a bunch of shit to hurry <laughs> up before it doesn't fucking record again. Remember where you were at? Uh, females. In the Catahoula world, I like females over males. Males tend to age a little bit slower and mature slower. Females get better, but not as good as the male can get in the, in the end. Perfect. We, Bobby, we love go. the hell out of you. Bobby, go. <laughs> I can't fucking do that. That was insane. <laughs> well, that didn't even make sense. Half the shit I said wasn't even right. No, well, you know, like I said, male versus female. I, I, I like females because I can, from what I've seen and from what I've been told, they tend to mature faster, but that male will potentially end up better than what your female would, but it's going to take them a lot longer to get there. Right. If I could, if I spit that out right that time, but, no, but that, I, I've yeah, got males tracks. and females and it tracks kind of with what I've seen so far. My males are definitely a lot slower and I don't know if it's, everybody's there it's just mine but my males are super clingy compared to my females my females are much more independent than my male dogs wow that's actually interesting i would say my male is more independent my females are actually a lot more clingy and uh sarge's drive is a lot higher uh being the only male 
but the girls smoke him in a fucking foot race. Like, I mean, that pudgy bastard doesn't have a chance against them. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I would go backwards that way because my male, well, my males tend to be a little bit bigger, a little bit, you know, longer too. So, uh, yeah, my two-year-old male, he's way faster than any other dog that I have. Very interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to get Tyler on here to talk about, you know, his labs and maybe Frank too. And y'all can compare and see if we can gather any realistic data male versus female drive um across the breeds but well fellas with regards to my uh recording prowess and the storage on my computer and the fact that we're running up on an hour here um would y'all agree hopefully that this is a uh a decent stopping point and we'll have to dive into a part two here soon well, i think that's okay, really good, we definitely could talk for at least another hour some other time so yeah we'll see you on part seven yeah <laughs> dude yeah we're on part three right now so we'll see what happens but yeah this has been fantastic and you know i think this is really applicable to uh you know off-season hunting and you know it doesn't apply just to humans but also dogs too and i appreciate you guys coming on here and talking about your you know dogs in particular and you know the off-season doesn't stop with just us right you have to keep going with uh the dogs as well to perform the best that we can when it's hunting season. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the hell out of you guys. Um, Bobby, where can folks find you on Instagram? Uh, as usual, Bobby underscore L I T E E Bobby like and do you right. Just a bunch of guns hunting. And that's maybe a couple Jim selfies at Planet Pussy, and that's probably it for me. But you won't be using a barbell in any of those Jim selfies. <laughs> no, you won't see a barbell. It's not it's not manly as and as anything. Yeah, go follow. This will come out after Hero Week, but go follow Bobby if you want to see him do Murph three days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna post one tonight about it now. Yeah, you should, man. You should. Uh, and uh, Lyle, dude, thanks for joining us, man. Where can uh, where can folks find you and Zeta and you know, plug whatever you, whatever you can plug for you your can, business. You can see us on uh, Facebook or Instagram, or both of them are uh, Schmavis Outdoors, or it'll be Schmavis Big Game Recovery in Catahoulas, S-C-H-M-A-V-I-S, Schmavis. Um, right now, all you'll see on there is a bunch, a bunch of puppy pictures. Like I said, we got two-week-old puppies at the house right now, so everything's puppy for the next couple months, probably. Yeah. Hit up Lyle if you want a puppy and be prepared for him to break your heart. Right, Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> get the one you want. Yeah, that's right, man. Well, I appreciate you guys. We'll uh, schedule round two here soon. And uh, I know it's this will come out after here a week, but good luck to everybody participating and appreciate the hell out of the, all the listeners. And we'll talk to you guys next week.